Hi everybody and welcome to a new episode of the Endless Hells podcast. I hope everyone's keeping well who's listening. I'm joined by a show regular, William Dobbin. How are you, William? Very well, thanks mate. How are you? I'm fine. It's a bit, a bit of a strange day, but we'll get to that yeah. through the podcast anyway. I'm also joined by a very special guest, Anthony Haggerty. Some of you may know Anthony from appearing on the Celtic State of Mind, also a former Daily Record journalist. And he's just released a new book. I'm going to try and pronounce this, Anthony. Uh, go, gonna give us a kick of your, of your ball, mister. That's, that sounds <laughs> terrible for me. <laughs> I'm gonna give us a kick of your ball, mister. I basically, in English, it would be, can I have a, a bit of your association football? You know, so, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, Anthony, thanks, thanks for joining us. How are you? Ah, uh, great, great. Nice to be here. Pleasure. Thanks very much. Appreciate no it. No worries, man. We're thrilled to have you on. So we'll move on to our first glaring topic at the moment, and it's... Uh, the Scott Brown departure. Many of us knew this day would be coming. We all felt that, especially over the last, well, last couple of weeks, we've seen rumours that he's wanting to join his friend, Stephen Glass at Aberdeen, to join the coach's setup and also continue playing. But when the, when the day comes, obviously you don't know how to feel, and that's where I'm at at the moment. I'm a bit, I'm a bit angry at the situation in terms of where Celtic's going, but we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. But in terms of Scott Brown, the legacy that man's left, he's won 10 leagues, 6 league cups, 6 galleys cups, 127 uh, appearances in European competition, 613 appearances and 46 goals. The guy is an icon, he's a leader, he's a captain. And he's, for my lifetime anyway, from supporting Celtic, he's been the best captain I've seen in a Celtic shirt. But Anthony, I want to go to you to, to see what your overall reaction is to today and your whole feeling towards Scott Brown. How, how are you feeling? I think uh, I, I kind of said it earlier on, I was on another show and I said that I think the Celtic supporters felt a great disturbance in the force today, didn't they? I think you could put it that way. That collectively they all sort of, as you say, knew the day was coming. Didn't envisage that day coming. But it certainly smacks of the end of an era, doesn't it? Uh, and there's just something doesn't seem quite right at the fact that you could be lining up against Scott Brown and seeing him in a different shirt. And as you rightfully said, 14 years, over 600 appearances, 10 titles, 12 domestic cups. But here's a brilliant start for you, right? And I picked it out from, uh, I think the people had put up uh, on the website. Scott Brown won a trophy with Celtic every 28 games. That's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Unbelievable. Won a trophy every 28 games. That's not even a league season. Uh, So (laughs) it's frightening, isn't it? You know, but... I think, as you've just said as well, in your lifetime, he has he leaves a total club legend, and his place in the illustrious history of the, the football club is secured. You know, I, I read a quote by Callum McGregor who said, "Bruni's probably one of the best ca- captains Celtic has ever had, and we're lucky to be led by him." You don't meet a lot of people in football who are as good as Bruni is. It says it all, but also, there's only two Celtic captains that have won nine in a row. Billy McNeil's the other one. Scott Brown's mm. the second one. So I think, you know, he's going to be held in that esteem and put on that pedestal alongside one of the greatest ca- club captain in the history of the club. But I think I started with a kind of film quote with a disturbance in the force and I'll, I'll end one. I think Celtic supporters of your generation, a kind of dead poet society, has been, oh, captain, my captain, hasn't he? Uh, yeah. And the definition and the epitome of that for the past 14 years. He goes with a play. I think a lot of people are sad to see him go. Yeah, I mean, that's that's my feeling today. It's like, I knew it was coming. The last couple of days, the rumour's been growing stronger and stronger. 
that he's going to be leaving. And that the fact as well, he, he wanted to continue playing and also move into that coaching capacity. But my memories, my overwhelming memories of Scott Brown that I always remember is just him being on that pitch, winding up the opposition, winding up their fans. <laughs> when, he, when he got tackled, he celebrates. And that's the type of player that's, that's kind of dying out in this modern-day football age anyway. But, William, what, what's your overriding emotion today? Yeah, much the same, Stephen. It kind of feels like a death in the family. Um, that just, just sad, sad feeling. It's the end of an era. It's the end. It feels like it's the end of this unbelievable squad, this team that have this quadruple treble team. Um, it's just they're all gone, pretty much. I don't, I don't think there's many of them left. Um, just a sad, sad time for me. I, I, in previous podcasts, I've, I've pointed out. I don't think I can say much more about Scott Brown. I think he's he should be held up there in that regard with, um, like Anthony's saying, the Billy McNeils and stuff. For me, there should be a statue of him outside that stadium at some point. Um, he's the countless trophies. He's won more trophies than most teams have won. Uh, in their history, he's won them himself. Um, if you run through run through all all the criteria that that he brings to the club as a as a captain. Um, there's not much lacking. Uh, like you said, he's he's of the old school mould. There's not many many like them anymore. That's the midfield general and just a motivational leader. Um, for me, I think in the statement the law will put out, he said that um, Celtic did everything they could to try and keep hold of him. I'm not sure how much of that I, I believe. I think if they the, the pushed the boat out, they could have got him to stay on. I th- I thought I I personally um we were we were going to touch on Scott Brown before the news broke today and I was I, I was going to talk about how uh, vital I think it is that we keep hold of him and sadly now we're talking about the fact that he's gone and I mean he's Celtic through and through. He's the longevity of his career with us it's that's unknown now. You don't get that in the game anymore where a player's at a team for so long. Um I I mean for me, a lot of people see his legs have gone, but on Sunday, I think he showed he's still he's still capable of um, putting in a performance. Um, just in a in a season and in a team where we're severely lacking leadership at the moment, to to have somebody leave that epitomises that is is very sad day for me. John, yeah, I mean, he was irreplaceable, which begs the question: Why they're replacing him? I let them. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I let them leave. You know, I, I I totally get that as well. That I I can't understand what have Celtic lacked this season leadership. Yeah, on and off. Yeah. Yeah. And surely Scott Brown had some kind of role to play uh, in helping any new manager coming in because he was Brendan Rodgers' go-to guy. He had that infamous story of the meal that they had where they were moving the you know the salt and pepper dishes around and. And, and yeah, the Brown played the best football, arguably, of his Celtic career under Brendan Rodgers. So I yeah. cannot, for the life of me, fathom why any new manager coming in would want to dispense with him or not think he would be an asset because he is a massive, massive character and he leaves a huge, huge void in that dressing room. And I think it, it is a sad day and I, I don't know what Celtic did to try and get him to stay. Or maybe he just wanted a fresh challenge and felt that it was the end of an era and the timing was right for both parties. Or maybe he has spoken to the new manager or people coming in and they maybe don't fancy him. You know, there's a lot of, 
a lot of questions remain unanswered with, with mm. this Scott Brown uh, episode and only Scott Brown knows the answers and only Celtic know the answers and I think as supporters you you deserve an answer to that other than the, the sound bite that it's a new challenge and I, I'm awake to start a new chapter. We deserve to know what actually happened uh, in those with those conversations and how far they actually, how far that they, they went, how far they'd gone to actually get Scott Brown to stay. Because he might fancy the fact that he's going to be a, a big player at Aberdeen with the player coaching role. I don't think Scott Brown could have settled for a peripheral role at Celtic and maybe that's what Celtic had planned for him. And he, he's maybe said, Do you know what, no for me. I want to be a big. I still want to be a big fish and a big voice, and he and he and he's certainly been that. So he still has a lot to give, and I think I just hope in the future that it doesn't come back to bite Celtic in any shape or form. But if he's going to learn the coaching ropes and he does well, then there's no, there's nothing to say that he can't come back in some coaching capacity in the future. And I think he'd be welcome back with open arms. Yeah, I, th- I think it's obvious as well, Anthony, that. In our voices, anyway, you can hear the, the disappointment and sadness in regards to Brown leaving. But I want to bring bring it back to the point that you and William were discussing there in terms of they did all they can to keep him. Now, the, the way you look at this, especially this year, Celtic's mismanagement of situations has been absolutely woeful. <laughs> and you, you almost think to yourself, did just go to Brown and say, do you want to stay or do you want to go? And that was the kind of negotiation at the set. He's kind of went, give me a way to decide it and uh, how'd you go? Do you know? And that's the way it, it looks. Because Peter Law, Peter Law has come out and said that they did all they can to keep him. But as you rightly said, Anthony, no one knows where these negotiations went or what they led to. And as you said, if he's going out to learn the coaching ropes, now this is, this is no disrespect to who I'm going to name here, but I look at the likes of Darren O'Day, Steve McManus. I know Steve McManus was previously at Mullerwell, fair enough, doing a bit of coaching. But the likes of Darren O'Day, even John Kennedy to a certain extent, he didn't have to leave to go and learn. So why do you think, Anthony, they're prepared to let Brown go? And you know that's a great unfathomable that question. You know I don't know why they're allowed to let him because he has such a massive character and he's got so much to offer even off the park. And I can only assume that they maybe had some peripheral role for him if they had that at all. And he's maybe looked at it and thought, no, I want to play more. I still want to play and I still want to be a, a big part of any coaching team, which is what Aberdeen are offering. So it's got nothing to do with money. You know what I mean? So I think it's just the, the actual opportunity and the kind of coaching pathway that you might see in front of them. And I, I don't know about you guys, but any new managerial setup coming in could have did with Scott Brown's experience, could have did with Scott Brown's knowledge, you know, could have tapped into that moving forward. And I just, uh, I really do. I, 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 can't, I can't square the circle in my head why he's been allowed to leave, but if it turns out to be a good thing for both parties, then further down the line, I'll put my hands up and say, yeah, it was the right decision. But at this moment in time, it doesn't seem like the right decision. I'm sure William will agree with that. Yeah, 100%. Like, um, we're going to, this summer's like massive transitional period as well. Like you say, the new manager coming in, he'd have been the perfect go-between. Um, and I always think that with new players coming in, I know you hear those stories all the time about how Tommy Burns, when he was at the club, these players came in and he would sit them down and, and sell them the club and tell them what it means to play for Celtic and what it means to pull on that shirt and that this isn't just a stepping stone, if you like, and it's a, like you, you'll come here and this this is a club you want to play for the, for the rest of your, your days. 
Scott Brown could have been that guy. He's lived it. He's he's won everything. He's the perfect man to sit these guys down and and explain to them what it is to be here. I just for me, I just I, like yourselves. I can't fathom why we've managed to let him go. The only thing is like what Anthony's saying is if it is a matter of his playing days are numbered and he still thinks he can keep going, that we can't guarantee that. Um, that's why he's went. That's the only thing I can think of. I can't get my head around any other fact of why we would let him go. Um, I was watching John Kennedy's um, pre-match conference uh, before the derby game and the, the question to him about it and the way he went about things and um, it seemed like he wasn't Brown wasn't going anywhere or he hadn't made any sort of decision. Um, so it's a strange one. So I, I didn't expect to be hearing that. And even I'm one of these guys that hears all these rumours and I don't believe anything until I see it on that yellow taper at the bottom of the Sky Sports News. Uh, so for me, whenever I hear these rumours flying about, I, I never once thought he was, I thought, you know what, I think he'll probably give it another year and see where he is. So, I, I, yeah, I wasn't expecting to see the news at all today. You, you uh, mentioned I mean, your name there, William, right? Tommy Burns, and I was on the Axon podcast on Sunday and I, I implored the players for once just this season, don't live, don't play for Celtic, live for Celtic. And I think that's the role Scott Brown could have played to any new people coming in. Because yep. Scott Brown didn't just play for Celtic, he lived for Celtic for 14 years. And I think that's vitally important that you have that kind of go-between between the, the new people coming in and players. And I, I think he would have been perfectly suited to that because he'd given all the huddle team talks as well. You know, he he lived, ate, slept and lived that, breathed that club for 14 years. So that that was, as you say, that was Tommy Burns' man so that you don't need to go anywhere else if it's working at Celtic, you know. So yeah. you don't... You don't play for Celtic, you live for Celtic. And I, I think Scott Brown could have been the man to instill that into any new management team and any new players coming in and just, you know, straight off the bat, get them on side and, and know where they're headed. And, I, and I'm like you, I'm, I'm fed up with players and managers using Celtic as kind of my friend on the Axon podcast, Russell Boyce, coined that phrase as well, the stepping stone FC. It's time for this culture yeah. of Celtic to end. It has to end. And it has to yeah. end now. Uh, and hopefully the new managerial structure, whatever that may be, can go about starting starting to address that culture of players using Celtic as a, step, a stepping stone to, to further their careers or go on to better things. There is no better things than Celtic to, no. to you and I because this is the best club in the world because we're supporters. Mm-hmm. And it has to be sold. Has to be sold like that now to everybody that's coming in. You know, the, the men- yeah, go on. Just to, just touched upon the point there you made in terms of the coaching setup, and it's quite a burning question for me because Scott Brown's been there fourteen years, and probably and out of all the players and even some certain members of the coaching staff, he would know what's going on within the club and if there is any new appointments. And what what's glaring for me is, hi if. If rumours are led to believe that John Kennedy and Gavin Strachan are departing Celtic as well at the end of the season, how could have Scott Brown not stepped up the first team coaching role with the new assistant and the new manager and still played played a bit part here and there? Because that's what he surely is going to be doing at Aberdeen, unless he's got a whiff of the new coaching setup and is like, that's not for me, I want out. Is that something a vibe that you get, William, from this whole thing? I would 
it smacks of that, doesn't it? That he, he's either been told by the new coaching setup that he doesn't have a future, or he's just made up his mind that the people coming in, he doesn't want to work with them, you know? But again, going back to only Scott Brown and Celtic know the answers to these questions, and we might find out one day. Uh, and But I think you're entitled to ask those questions and say, look, what's actually happened here? Why is somebody who has so much to give still... You know, being allowed to leave the club for a start. You know, it just, it it strikes me as, I don't know why, I I just, I hate to say the word mistake, but I just think moving forward that it might might be a mistake that comes back to bite them in some shape or form. I hope I'm wrong, but I just, it's, and and I think, you know, for 14 years, you just, you, you get some people you just think are one club men. I know we play for Hibs, but. You've always seen him as a one club man after after Hibs and I just thought he'd be here till till they carried him out the doors, you know. So, and, <laughs> I mean, I, I think you're hundred percent. I think you're hundred percent right as well, Anthony. I mean, he's he's kind of just been that figurehead for Celtic for fourteen years. Even when he first joined, he he had a bit of spark about him, and he's always kept up throughout his career. I mean, as I said before, like winding up opposition, getting in players' faces in the time where. Joey Barton was talking himself up and Scott Brown owned him, had him in his back pocket. That's the type of player that we're going to be missing and the type of character in the dressing room. But before we move on to some lighthearted stuff, William, I just want to get your, your last overriding emotion. Do, is that the sort sort of thing that you get a whiff of, that he's got a whiff of the new management team and he's went, that's not for me? Um, maybe so. When it comes to Celtic and, the, and the, what the board's thoughts on, what everybody's always in the dark. Um, for me, I would have 100% had him... Um, as a first team coach, but saying that, if this new management team comes in, we've all been screaming for them to say um, whoever the new manager in needs to bring his own staff in. Um, maybe, maybe whatever's coming out of Celtic's true, and we're not any further forward on a new manager yet. And and Scott Scott Brown's had this opportunity, and he's thinking I, I, I need to take it with both hands because everything's up in the air here. He doesn't know whether he's he's playing or there is that sort of uh, coaching role um, maybe they've just Celtic have just acted far too late and, and uh, Aberdeen have offered them an opportunity they couldn't refuse and uh, unfortunately for us we've lost um, a, a legend and a big character yeah. in, the, in the dressing room yeah I mean it's his it's status of Celtic will never be in question is it, we read out his honour list at the start of, at the top of the programme is an ast- astonishing thing that Anthony pointed out, what was it, 28 games he was winning the trophy? I mean... <laughs> 28 games, that's astonishing, isn't it? You know, so that, that is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's phenomenal. But I, I just want to move on to something a bit more lighthearted before we move on from Scott Brown. Not that we want to, but we'll have to move on with segments of the show. But Anthony, I'll go to you first. What What's a memory that will stay with you in terms of that Scott Brown was involved in or something he'd done on the pitch that stuck out in your mind? I know I'm putting you on the spot, but I'm just curious to hear. Do you know, for me, it'll be the... The goal at Ibrox in the El Hadji Juf where the Bruni celebration was born, it just, mm-hmm. you know, it, it summed up everything that Scott Brown was about. The noise up, the love of the game, and a shot with, I think it was his left foot, wasn't it? That was yeah. supposedly for standing on, and it brought Celtic back into a cup tie when they looked dead and buried, because they were down to 10 men at that point, and it was a sweet-as-you-like strike, and just El Hadji Juf was quite a, a loathsome character. You know, so yeah. if ever you sort of thought somebody deserves a comeuppance, it was El Hadji Juf. 
and he just stood there as brazen as you like at Ibrooks and celebrated like that in front of him. And Hadji just didn't know what to do, and he wasn't shouting or anything, but it was just that look at me, I'm good, you know, he'll hail, hail, hail me for a split second, <laughs> and you know, and it was just that that arrogance, that kind of I'm in your backyard and I'm doing this, what are you going to do about it, you know, and yeah. for a long time that had been missing from Celtic teams, and you know, to pick that particular shot out at 10 men when the pressure was on, because they were, they were heading out the cup and they won the replay 1-0. So, you know, so it was a, it was a huge goal in, in the, yeah. you know, in that tense. And it just kind of cemented your love affair with him, really, didn't you? He is, he's the most, one of the most divisive characters in Scottish football. If he's in your team, you love him. If he's not on your team, you hate him. There is no grey area with Scott Brown. You don't you don't kind of half like him or, or no half hate him. You're you're all in. You either love him or you hate him. And the Celtic supporters loved him. And for that moment alone, they loved him even more. And you know, and it was it, one. It was funny, and two, it was just like yeah, well, you know, um, it, it was his kind of him stamping his authority in Scottish football and saying, "I'm the boss man here. Try and yeah. try and steal my crown." You know, and I, it, I think that's. I think it sums it up pretty well. Anthony, Scott Brown, what are they going to do about it? That's that's amazing. I mean, that's mm. Scott Brown in a nutshell. But yeah. Anthony, what was Sam? What stands out for yourself? Um, <clears throat> for uh, yeah, the birth of the Bruni is obviously um, the the main um, standout point. Um, other than the fact that he's he, all the stuff we've talked about and how he's been our captain, our leader. There's certain games he, he he would take by the scruff of the neck and, and drag us through, but um, I'm talking about light-hearted. One of my favourite moments was at Aberdeen when he's crunching through a tackle with about I think it took about three of them to bring him down, and then another one booted the ball right off the back of his head, and he just stood up smiling, doing this wee this wee dance and what just epitomises everything about Scott Brown. It's just it's just fantastic view and it just makes you absolutely keep yourself laughing. <laughs> and um, it's what Anthony says. Is just, I love the fact I loved players. This is what I loved about Lennon as well. That everybody that, he, that we, we played against, everybody hated them, and we absolutely adored them. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's an overriding memory. I just always brings a smile to the face when you think about it. And seeing both of those matches, see if he'd have pulled up his t-shirt and it did say, "I'm Scott Brown." What are you going to do about it? You'd have burst at laughing, wouldn't you? Because that's <laughs> basically what he was saying, wasn't it? You know what I mean? So, and he <laughs> just kind of like, well, shrugged your shoulders, and you know, and it, and for 14 years he had that. You you think of the toll that that took on him. Every every game he had to peak, because it would be every game somebody would want to make that marker, you no. Know, yeah. I'm going to do something about you, Scott Brown. So you're peaking and you're peaking and you're peaking every game because somebody's out to get yeah. you, you know. And, and sometimes he came off second best. He, he admits that, you know, and in Europe he came off second best a lot. But that's an incredible consistency rate over 14 yeah. years to see off many a challenger, you know. And he, he always, I mean, he, he never really bumped his gums in the press. He always uh, bumped his gums on the park. But he always did it from a, a strong position, a position of strength, you know, when, when the team were winning. You know, so and he, and he took, you know, I, I remember when uh, Arfield did the Bruni in front of him at Ibrooks when Rangers won 1-0, and he took it. He just shrugged yeah. his fine, no bother. That's great. He, 
he didn't punch him, didn't go mental, or didn't go off his nut. You know, he, he had his spats with uh, Alfredo Morelos. A, another one, you probably the, the the picture of him with uh, laughing as Alfredo's getting sent off at Celtic. <laughs> I mean, that's an infamous picture, you know, and that and that wee cheeky grin as if I've done you there, you know. And yeah. Alfredo in the games that came after that was always slapping his head and up to high jinks with him, and that was all down to that one because Alfredo had fallen for. A classic piece of, you know, Derby wind up, you know, and he got him sent off, and that wee smirk as he's leaving the pitch. I mean, you know, Celtic supporter, you love that. A Rangers supporter, you obviously you hate it, but that's the nature of competitive sport: winding people up, sledging and cricket. You know, as it's known, you know, whatever it, it's part and parcel of football, and sometimes yeah. you're the victim to it. Sometimes you're the you're the victor. So yeah, I mean, that was another example of. And, Scotland and, was facing that every game with somebody, you know. And also, as well, Anthony, there, there's a an image as well. This people forget about this, but Ryan can't actually punch Scott Brown, and nothing was ever done about that. And he took it. Yeah. He, did, he didn't. Com- he didn't complain about it. He never went to the press and moaned about it. It was just kind of left, left on the dirt for for nothing to be done. Do you know what I mean? That's the type of player he was. Because most of the time, Johnny go well, sorry. I'm sorry, I think for me that um, like the minimum requirement and the, the least we all expect from any player that pulls on the shot is to just give 100%. And he, he wasn't the most talented, he wasn't the most naturally gifted footballer, but he worked his arse off. And even in, his, in the games where he, he wasn't as effective, you knew for a fact he was giving his all. And uh, I think that just speaks... Um, volumes of the man. That's that's all you, you you really want from any player that pulls on the shot. He was a huge influence in that team. He was a he was a beating heart of that team for as as many of those fourteen years as he played in the first team. You know, so it, you cannot take that away from him. And, and as I say, it's incredible. And he never ever got involved because most of the time he was winning. So he just let the yeah. results, he just let the results do the talking, didn't he? You know, and as I say, he came off second best every now and again, and he, he just shrugged his shoulders and right, yeah. fine, I'll be better the next time. You know, I think as well. I think yeah. I think as well, Anthony. Sorry, but I think I think as well that we'll always remember him for the the nine in a row should have been ten, but obviously this season finished. Fuck, it has finished really bad. But uh, the quadruple win and treble captain has been kind of left again. No one even mentions that now, and mm-hmm. it's just the epitome of of Scott Brown, William, and Anthony that. As Celtic put it, I'll just leave it at this. He's a cap- captain, leader, and a legend, and I think that's the best way to describe him. And as you said, Anthony, once he le- earns his stripes, so to speak, and he'll be welcome back again with open arms, whether it's a manager or a coach, coaching position, uh, Scott Brown will always have a place in every Celtic fan's heart, and I think he'll be sorely missed. I know, I know we'll have him until the end of the season, and hopefully he plays a few more games and stuff, but yeah, we'll, just, we'll end the segment there as captain, leader, legend, Scott Brown. But we'll move on to the next topic that's been on everyone's lips and that's the management carousel or carousels I can't even say it probably but you know what I mean it's like a merry-go-round so you, you hear one name it's a Mareska, you hear Roy Keane then you hear the outside chances of Martinez or people like that but the Roy Keane rumour has been gathering pace and I've been biting my tongue so much just not to rant on Twitter the things I'm seeing the things I'm looking at and if they want to go to you first <laughs> please tell me that you have someone a source or anything telling you this is not true this is not happening because we need some sort of happiness I wish I could tell you that, but I uh, I think the the Roy Keane to Celtic as the new manager is huckling down a hill 
<laughs> at a rapid pace of knots and it's gathering momentum. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's Roy Keane. But I mean, there's a there's a whole narrative out there about how it's going to be disastrous, and and I get that, and it's based on a lot of things, you know, that he's not managed for ten years and stuff like that. But Roy Keane knows a lot about football, you know, and I. His, his style's abrasive and it's, you know, people don't like him, but, you know, you, you've you just spoken there about the qualities that Scott Brown had. There's there's more than similar qualities in Roy Keane, and if Scott Brown is being allowed to leave and we're lamenting that, then why is it such the weeping and gnashing of teeth that Roy Keane could come in? No, he's done nothing in management to maybe warrant the Celtic job but Dermot Desmond sees something in him that he likes and that he thinks is a perfect fit for Celtic. And usually if Dermot Desmond says that's... Whatever Dermot Desmond says, that goes. But yeah. I'm, I'm of the opinion that like, Roy Keane worked under two of the greatest British managers that ever lived, Brian Clough and Sir Alex Ferguson. Now, if you can't learn from them, then you're, you're, you're no fit for purpose. And he also coached alongside Martin O'Neill, who's one of the greatest managers in the history of Celtic Football Club. And Martin O'Neill touted him on Sunday when he was in the Sky Studio for the job. So a lot of people are batting for Roy Keane. So he obviously has some kind of quality. And I I just think that... I think Roy Keane's character is probably what's needed in the Celtic dressing room right now. Management style, I'm not too sure. I I like... Many people think that it could be an accident waiting to happen and a car crash unfolding. But if Dermot Desmond decides that Roy Keane's the man, you're going to have to get on board with it and accept it and back it. But I know you yeah. guys maybe have your own personal thoughts on Roy Keane coming in. But I'll tell you what Roy, that's, that's... Keane, tell you what Roy Keane would do. He wouldn't employ any footballer for Celtic that wouldn't to use him as a stepping stone. Roy Keane would look into the whites of the eyes of players and say, where do you see yourself in two or three years' time? See if they said down south, you wouldn't sign for Celtic. The answer is, I see myself being successful with Celtic. That's the correct answer. And if Roy Keane is staring into the whites of your eyes and asking those questions, you better come up with the right answer because they're the kind yeah. of players that he wants at Celtic. So in terms of that, I think it could be a good thing. There is so much negative narrative out there about Roy Keane coming and a disaster and all that that you guys know because it's just been put out there but nobody has thought of the flip side that it could be good if he brings in the likes of Nicky Butt Alex Ferguson said Nicky Butt was the hardest player he'd ever came across in his life harder than Roy Keane <laughs> so <laughs> Nicky Butt's hard <laughs> must be harder say, than Tarzan's feet say the balance with you Anthony that I was looking forward to this part of the debate because I, I'm i firmly against Roy Keane. I appeared on the Football Insomniac with uh, Colin Watt and uh, argued that case as well. Um, I, I think for me, Roy Keane, I don't know about yourself, William, but I'll come to you in a wee second, but I, for me, just think he's an upgrade at Neil Lennon in terms of name and status because Neil Lennon was a motivator. He was hard as nails. He wanted players to play for himself and he's, he probably came out and stayed at players who didn't want to be there. And that yeah. kind of went against us this season. Do you know what I mean? I, so, I, f- I for, called, for me... I called Neil Lennon an analogue manager in a digital world. Now, there's part of me 
thinks that could be the same with Roy Keane. But if he's bringing yeah. a director of football and coaches to help him, which Neil Lennon didn't get his own staff, you know, so that could be the the big big difference between these two guys. But I agree entirely with well, don't agree entirely with what you're saying. But I get what you're saying, and I I accept that because it's yeah. it's a kind of perceived wisdom about Roy Keane, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, well, well, I don't know what you think. If if Roy Keane brings in a director of football, as Anthony said there, and a coach beside him, do you think Roy Keane Williams the type of man who's going to accept other people's opinions? Because for me, he's kind of headstrong, and I don't think that will work out. Yeah, I, yeah, yes and no. I'm, I wouldn't say I'm on the fence. I'd say I'm looking over the fence from the from the no point, but I'm not. I'm not as opposed as or as as I feel as strongly about it as as most. Um, for me, when you're looking at the list of names, that's uh, like the bookies' favourites. Uh, I should say, there's there's nobody there that really excites me at all, apart from one name, and that, uh, that's Eddie Howe. But I think that ship sailed. Um, Roy Keane isn't the the first name I would I would want in the door. He's also not the last. I agree with you, Stephen, with the fact that I think he has an upgraded Neil Lennon. He's old school and. The, the difference is, for me, this time round, the second term of, for Lennon, it was a totally different Neil Lennon from the first term. And like you say, he, he didn't get his own backroom staff. I felt like he was more just like grateful for the opportunity um, to sit in the hot seat again. And I don't like to say he was a yes man, but it was um, coming from the board, I think he was less likely to um, not argue back, but, you know, put his his case across. I think he was more a yes man this time round. I don't think you're ever going to get that with Roy Keane. Like you said, it's, it's his way or the highway. And for me, your manager, that should be what your manager's like. You shouldn't, the manager should be in total control of everything uh, with regards to what's going on in the pitch. And that includes signings and, and, and the rest of it. So I... I don't know. I, I, if he gets a coaching, uh, the right coaching staff in, I can I could possibly see it working. But for me, I, like I, it would be a no for me to be honest with you. The, the plus points, I mean, it'd be a draw. I mean, like Gerard does. I think some of the the players that um, Rangers have got in, they would, the, the, some of the talented, more talented players, they would never ever have got if, if it wasn't for Steven Gerrard in that position. And I would imagine a lot of players out there would um, jump at the opportunity to play for somebody like Roy Keane that starts in the game. For me, growing up, he was, if not my favourite player, he was one of my favourite players. He was an absolute monster on the field. You don't get players like that anymore. Like Anthony said, Scott Brown's another one that's got similar qualities. Um, but we're in a massive transitional period at the moment. For me, if it was... Uh, for example, when Rodgers left and Celtic were in like the, the greatest shape possible and they were winning trophies and we had an unbelievable team, at that point in time, a Roy Keane or so, I wouldn't have been opposed to. But in this period where we've gone through one of our most important summers in recent history, where it's a massive transitional period, like I say, I feel like we need a proper proper head coach that can um, spot what we need 
in this team, I, I feel like Roy Keane's, I don't want to say like a dinosaur, but the old school mentality, I, I, nowadays we're, it's all about high intensity pressing, uh, pressing game. Uh, I, I don't think he's a master tactician. He's, he's listening to his punditry. It's more about motivating players and this player should be doing this and doing that rather than you don't hear him talking about the, the tactical side of the game as much, I don't think, personally. Uh, so, for me, it, it would be a no, but like I say, the names on that list, there's there's nobody at all that excites me. That's at least one, a big name that kind of gets the juices flowing, sort of, but for me, it's, we should be going all out to try and get Eddie Howe, and if we don't, then I, f- I feel we're really, really struggling. I can't believe there's but- not any big, big, big names on that list? Yeah, I mean, totally, William, about Eddie Howe. I think Eddie Howe was in the kind of same situation as Brendan Rodgers, who needed to reinvent himself and could have come to Celtic and and done that, you know, and became a winner. Would I know what it was like to to win trophies and uh, and how they haven't attracted how or, or, or sold it to him in that sense, you know, Eddie. He, you know, turned to him and said, "Look, we want you to to make Celtic a force again, not just domestically, but in Europe." And that's an attractive proposition with the right manager. You know, I, I just feel that Dermot Desmond's relationship with Roy Keane, and he's wanted Roy Keane for many years, so I think he's maybe been a bit headstrong himself and saying, "I want my way this time, and I'll prove to you that this guy can do it." But then. On the flip side of that, if, if he does get his own way with this one, will he support Roy Keane in terms of finance then? Is that him saying, right, if I get my man, I will back him to the help? So there could be a, a benefit to Celtic in that sense. So uh, it's, a lot of, a lot of, again, imponderables again, you know? So to be honest with, with you, lads, um, I, I can't, I hate that narrative, like, about the whole Dermot Desmond and his connection with Roy Keane. I've said it so many times before on podcasts as well. This connection, Irish connection, Celtic connection, needs to stop. It, yeah. it just needs to stop because Roy Keane, when he first came to Celtic, literally said, welcome to hell, already disrespecting the league and the teams he's up against. And I know he's obviously matured and mellowed since then because he was a player. But for me, he's rejected us once before and he's done nothing in the years after that to prove that he warrants this job. I don't like the narrative as well. I know I'm going to build a rant, guys. I do apologise, but I don't like the narrative as well of Roy Keane coming up here just to be Roy Keane versus Stephen Gerrard. Celtic Football Club is a club in their own right. No one individual is going to be bigger than that club. I don't care if you're Roy Keane or anyone else in the world who has a big name about them. That should not be the way it's treated. We, we, our list, our potential manager list is made up by bookies. We've been had no confirmation from Celtic Football Club if they're even looking at managers, apart from that shameful statement that Desmond managed to put out it was probably rehearsed seven or eight times before he put it out but you you, you just look at this situation and as William you rightly touched upon and, and yourself Anthony it's so far down the road now you're looking at the Champions League qualifiers you're looking at next season if you win the league you go automatically into the Champions League then this massive rebuild job which we've lost the head of Scott Brown we've lost their club captain he's gone so <laughs> Anthony I've seen you before on a Sally City of Mind saying and I agree with you totally. Why not go to the top, ask the question, and work your way down that list? Do you think that's what's actually happened? The them other managers have told him though. I don't think for a minute that it's happened. You've seen me making impassioned pleas to the, the board. Go and ask the question. See if they haven't asked the question of Eddie Howe. 
then they're no fat for purpose. See if they haven't gone to uh, uh, Roberto Martinez and Sean Maloney, then they're no fit for purpose. He even sounded out the likes of Ralph Ranjik and Rafa, you know, which are the ones that people think are an, an impossible dream. But everybody thought Brendan Rodgers was an impossible dream. He was 33-1 to at one stage to get the Celtic job, Brendan Rodgers, and he, and he became the manager. You know, so you, you have to pitch it to these guys in such a way that you make it an attractive proposition. You don't you don't go in with a negative slant, you know, with, with glass ceilings and finance and stuff like that. And I agree with you about the 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 relationship with Keane and the and Dermot Desmond. But the bottom line is if Dermot Desmond says it's Roy Keane, it's gonna be Roy Keane. Because nobody's gonna challenge that. Who can challenge yeah. that? You know, and that's the and I think like yourself, we have Celtic Football Club has to be bigger than that. We are bigger yeah. than that. We surely are bigger than one guy just saying it's him. That's it. You know, and, and not to be questioned. You have to conduct your due diligence. You have to. You're, you're letting down supporters then by not doing your due diligence on the best candidates that are available. And if it turns out that Celtic didn't approach the best candidates available, then everybody will feel shortchanged. You're completely and utterly shortchanged. It's Celtic Football Club we're talking about here. You know, no, this is this is not somebody's plaything or or a, an ego. Uh, you know, something to satisfy your ego for Dermot Desmond to say we should have had this guy in a long time ago. You know, let's see what he can do now. It's not about that. It's it's about getting the club back in a sound footing, a winning footing, and getting it set up for winning the title back and getting into the Champions League and access to the. Champions League money that automatically grants you by winning the title. And at this moment in time, and William will say this as well, Celtic are a million miles away from that. Yep. Don't you think? That's why, yeah, that's, see, to be fair, um, Anthony and Stephen, see, for me, see, as much as we're in, like, some, like, sort of turmoil right now, I think we're a very attractive proposition for somebody like Eddie Howe. Of course. when Lennon came back in, um, I remember him coming back in and he was saying, like, I'm not changing much. John Kennedy's doing most of the work. Why change something that's not broken? Well, now it is broken. So, if anything, it could be a more attractive proposition now than it was taking over Brendan Rodgers. You know, you've, you've got a standard. When Rodgers was there now, we're in a position where we need to rebuild. And it's a fantastic challenge for somebody to come in. This is one of the biggest clubs in the world, remember. This isn't just like, oh, let's pick the best of a bad bunch in a shortlist. Like you say, Anthony, go and ask the question. For me, for somebody like how, go and say, um, you bring your backroom staff in, you're in complete control. This is an opportunity for you to come back, uh, bring us back to where we belong, win titles and trophies, get to the Champions League, and you're. it's not you taking on an invincible team and thinking, oh, well, I, I can't change much because they're doing... We're in turmoil right now, so you can start from scratch, put your identity in it, put your uh, philosophy on the, the way you want things to go, and I can't see a more exciting prospect than that, to be honest with you. And see, realistically, you only need to beat one team, don't you? Exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. Probably one team, right? Because you're more than capable of beating the rest, right? So, see any manager worth their salt, and you turn around and say, all you have to do is beat your neighbours across the city, and you're automatically in the Champions League, you're putting yourself in the shop window as well. I know we're talking about the, the stepping stone thing, but 
See if you achieve that and then you discover that you actually quite like it, then you might get the feel for it and the bug for it and think, I like it here and stay for as long as you want. Because if you, you keep if you keep that kind of pattern of success, you'll not want to go anywhere else, especially with sixty thousand people. You've got the back end of sixty thousand people. That's a that's a drug to to managers. No not many managers play in front of a fanatical support like that every other week and get that adulation and you know where, where everything they say is gospel and it's written down and there's a power that comes with that. You know, and and, and as you say, William, that you're in control of a lot. You know, you have full control of a, a huge institution like Celtic Football Club. Tell me any manager that wouldn't be switched on and turned on by that. Because when you get it right, there are no better places to be. It's a wonderful, wonderful football club for any manager yeah. that gets it right. You know, see, see as well, see as well, Anthony, sorry, sorry to cut you off there, but see, see as well, you brought up a fantastic point about the, the Celtic board and Dermot Desmond kind of laying down it all and saying, this is the way he wants it and it's going to be king. You have to deal with that. Now, what just popped into my mind there, as you said, Celtic's not a play thing, but William, I want to ask you this question. Do you think Dermot Desmond uses Celtic as his play thing? Um, it's a difficult question. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I, um, very controlling. I think that, I mean, we've touched on it on every podcast going. I think that Lawwell and, and the board and all sorts get far too involved in the footballing side of things. Uh, I suppose, yeah, it could be just but he thinks he's playing a game of football manager or FIFA or whatnot, and it's his playground. But for me, it's just it's just the, the, the communication. I know we keep banging on about it, but I would love to know if they I see if they have approached Eddie Howe and he said no. I would just tell us that. Just say, you know what, listen, guys, we, we were on a search. Eddie Howe is our main target. He said no. We're now looking at another shortlist. I don't understand why it's all so hush hush and and, it, and it's the big privacy thing. And this, with keeping John Kennedy in charge, I think they obviously wanted John to hit the ground running, and that would have been the next step to let to let John take the team. And surely, when Lennon left, there was conversations with John about how how he's going to approach it. And if there is, then why the hell have we let Lennon go? Because there's nothing changed. There's nothing tactically changed. The, the team looks the same. The shape's the same. The the motivation, all the rest of it's the exact same. So if they were going to take this long in employing a new manager, or why did they not just say to Lennon in the, in the background, listen, that's it at the end of the season. You keep doing what you're doing and we're going to get a manager in the meantime. Then we wouldn't all be sitting here questioning uh, these things and they wouldn't have to listen to these questions day after day and say, listen, we're doing this and we're doing that. It's just the whole situation, just the, the communication's just ridiculous. And, and that's why we're all so disappointed. We just want something. And it doesn't need to be the biggest statement or the biggest announcement, just one wee announcement to get excited. I can't remember the last time I got excited about the team. It was a long, long time ago now. Um, just well, just give us something. <laughs> I mean, the disconnect is is incredible, from the from the board to the first team management level to the first team players, right through to the supporters. This is a fractured club, which needs healing. You know, it needs it, but it needs a, it needs, as you say, William, for people to come out and tell you what's happening. Where's the plans moving forward? 
We know Dominic Mackay's coming in, but we've no help from him. The first thing Dominic Mackay has to do is give us a three, five, seven year plan. Tell them tell what what plot, you know, what journey we're plotted out or where he thinks we're going or where he wants to take us. You know, but it'd be help absolutely nothing since he came in. Uh, well, he's not came in yet, but since he, it was announced that he was coming in. And then, as you see, we got Dermot Desmond's bland kind of statement about the managers, and it takes a long time, and yada, yada. But I'm, I'm like you, William. If they've interviewed Eddie Howe and he said, no, tell us. I want these guys to tell us why they don't want the job. If they went to Ralph yeah. Rangnick or Rafa or, you know, uh, Roberto Martinez, and they've said no, then let let them tell us why. I want them to say, I was asked about the Celtic job, but I said no because, because you'd feel a lot better about that. I don't want six months down the line for Eddie Howe to come and say, well, Celtic had tentative talks with me, but they never followed their interest through. It's something I would have jumped at or something I might have considered. You know, that that's just, then you, it smacks of missed opportunities. Celtic have known that Neil Lennon, well, Neil Lennon has left the club now for quite a few weeks and it was kind of heading down that road anyway. So if you're doing your due diligence, you would have said, look, it hasn't worked. You'll probably have to go. Let's start. You know, any big club would have started their, their recruitment process long before Neil Lennon finally decided that the club decided yeah. that he was partner of the ways. You know, I've said this before as well. Celtic are a, a big uh, a big club, no, they're masquerading as a big club at this moment in time because yeah. from top to bottom everything is such short termism it's a short term fixer there's no there's no big no big club kind of ethos about it and, and this this culture needs addressed as well, you need to start acting like a big club making big club decisions and not keeping fans in the dark and you know just acting small time and you know trying to score, you know, points over, you know, parochial points over your rivals. That nonsense. Bin that. Bin that. I think the, the, I think the funny thing, Alfie, as well, is that, as you said, there, Desmond came out and said it takes a, a long time. They have to go through all the interview process. They have to investigate everything. But yeah. fa- fast forward, like, rewind a, a, few, a year back or so, they're giving the guy a job in the showers and he's getting washed. Yeah. So, do you know what I mean? It, it it just smacks it just smacks to me that they weren't prepared. They haven't done any work behind the scenes. And as William right, that doesn't it? It makes a mockery of that statement that he made yeah. in the and and the in the statement or he addressed to the fans. You kind of you kind of think to yourself, well, wait a minute, you're insulting quite a lot of people's intelligence with that there. Yeah, and as as William rightly said as well, like <laughs> you're you're looking. And we just want clarity. We don't. We, we just want a wee bit of excitement, even if it's a picture of googly eyes and a pen and paper sent incoming on the Twitter page. <laughs> let, let, then you could be like, "Oh, something's actually happening over there." But as 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 William said as well, like they've kind of dipped John Kennedy in and hoped it worked, but it hasn't. Neither backtracking again, going to play, going to former people who's played for him, the Aries connection to see if he wants the job. And as, as you rightly said as well, Anthony, it does seem like that's gathering in pace. But just fast forwarding as well to the rebuild that we're kind of we're looking at touching upon it quickly. For me, this rebuild's gonna be huge and it, it's vitally important that the next manager is in place ASAP and he should have been in place a long time ago. They assess the squad, they assess what players he wants to keep. And who knows, he might have kept Scott Brown on in some capacity if the, a new manager was in place before then. But Anthony, I've wrote to you first. Do you think 
at the moment this rebuild, especially how, how long we've left it, is going to be too big. It's massive now, isn't it? Because we're what eighty odd days, but eighty six, eighty seven days to the first Champions League qualifiers, yeah. And yeah. remember, Celtic are not in the Champions League, so that's fraught with danger. So you could draw anybody, any big hitters. So, but I mean, eighty odd days—that—that's just slightly less than three months, isn't it? So, when you look at it like that, that's not a lot of time to bring in a whole raft of players. Because you look at how many players could be leaving. Well, you, you probably are not going to sign any of the loanees, so they'll go back to whence they came. You know, could be looking at Ayer and Sham, Christie and Edward leaving. So what's mm-hmm. that? Right. Brown as well. My Brown's left, so what's that? About eight players already? Mm. Yeah. And something like eight or nine. So, and are you going to bring in eight or nine? You might have to. You know, you're looking at you maybe need a new goalkeeper. You know, you certainly need two fullbacks. You you need centre backs. You need, I'd say you'd arguably need another two strikers, another two midfielders. So you're looking at the, the guts of a, a team. So, yep. And you don't have a lot of time to get those building blocks into place. You know, you look around at the Celtic team in a minute, and who who would stay? McGregor, Turnbull, Sorrow, a Welsh, Griffiths maybe. But I, I think Griffiths for me, his, his time's up. I said that before in our podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah, we know he's he's had his issues with mental health, and sadly felt him out, and he, he's got past that, and we're all very thankful he has. But latterly, it's always fitness with Griffiths. Either he doesn't put the work in. Or he's not available for ninety minutes, and when he's fit and firing, he's a fantastic goal scorer, probably the best in the SPL. When he's fit and firing, and it's it's just quite unfortunate. And as you said, Anthony, not even the first team players. You have to look at it from the other side, like potential squad players that are going to leave. Legs of Armstrong, Ogle Flex, Carmel, Golden Belly, Anthony Ralston. I'm pretty sure once first team football, so all them players would be gone. But William, I'll go to you here in terms of the rebuild and the importance of the league next year. Do, do you think it's out of, not out of reach, but do you think it's us getting potentially a wee bit too big to claw back in a year? Um, yes. <laughs> the short answer, <laughs> yes. Um, you talk about these players leaving, um, the likes of Edwards and Ayers, and this is this is the minimum we're talking about leaving. If these guys go, you know, other players' heads might turn and say, wait a minute here, this squad's being dismantled slowly here. I'm not sure if I want to be part of this, and there could be a knock-on effect there. Um, it's a massive rebuild. I th- I honestly think in that first the first eleven that we play regularly now, there's maybe two or three players I think we might keep hold of. It's a sad state of affairs at the moment. And Desmond said in his his statement that this this summer was always going to be. A transitional season. We're always going to have these players leaving. And why in the hell, back in October, November time, when it looked everybody could see it was only going to go one way, like you guys have just discussed there, why have we not had this in place? See this that's happening just now, drawn up a shortlist or whatever it is they're doing. Why has this not been happening months ago? Stephen rightly said that the the man, the new man that should be in in charge right now, looking over his squad. If they had anything about them, they would have had somebody in pretty much the week following Lennon's departure. They, they should have had somebody in mind. Um, like I say, I don't see the point in letting Lennon go if Kennedy's just following suit from what he he was doing. Um, it's 
And I know at the minute it looks like a long shot, but see the person coming in if they're if they're impressive or they are a big hitter, you might persuade Ayer or Edward to stay. You know, yeah. I know, you know it's a it's a possible long shot, but you know, just depending on the quality of that person, and you might say to them, look, and outline your vision for the club, and you know, you might persuade them to stay on, and 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 say, look, this is where I, I want to take it. This I want to do. You're a vital part of that. You know, people were people were saying maybe give I offer I or the captaincy that kind of thing. You know, so I mean these things are worth a shot, but you have to get the correct people in, which is the worry with maybe somebody like Roy Keane. You know, maybe an Eddie Howe type could have, or a Roberto Martinez could possibly have uh, persuaded them, but you just don't know. But at, at, at this moment in time, as William says, these guys' minds are made up; they're off, or they're as good yep. as. Because Celtic do not have to have any kind of semblance of a plan. They just seem to be flying by the seat, hoping that they stumble across the right guy or, you know, that, that it falls into place. There's no way to be stumbling around trying to get a new manager. As I can go back to you, you're masquerading as a big club then. You're selling yourself short. And you're also selling Celtic short and the Celtic fan short. Because we want our club to be bigger and better than this. We want to compete at the highest levels domestically and in Europe. So you have to you have to be bigger than that and better than that and pitch yourself at a level that, that's attractive to certain kind of managers. And, and, and I think that... It, sorry. It should be happening right now, does it? Or you don't think it is? No, not at all. I think um, like Sir Alex Ferguson was the greatest at spotting when he needed to rebuild these teams. Mm. He let go of a lot of big stars. Like, we were... Remember this time? Like, this time last year... We were on the verge of a quadruple treble and we're still flying. We're absolutely destroying everybody in our way. We, we didn't lose anybody from that team. So, like, for some reason, this team's been decimated. And I don't know if it is the motivation and people don't want to be here any longer. So why... You, you can't rest on your laurels and just think that this we're going to have this team for the next 10 years. There needs to be a point where you go, right, we need to start putting things in place. There needs to be rebuild. And we've just, the board and Celtic have just dropped the ball again and we've actually just let this team fall apart and now we're going to be left with the, the bare bones and having to start again when all of this transitional period, Desmond said it himself in his statement, this year was always going to be a transitional period. So why aren't we? Why aren't these things in place now? But Celtic fans would have accepted that, William, if they'd won the 10 they would have accepted a period of transition and yeah. they'd won that magical figure and that achieved something unique in Scottish football history. You could have had all the projects and transitional periods in the world. The Celtic fans would have would have followed on. But the very fact that you never tooled up for the 10 and you let everybody down is, you know, is, is the, the, the root cause of why fans' feeling is so high about certain things. A, a, an appointment at Roy Keane, something like that. But everybody's been let down. You know, the the Celtic fans did their bit with regards to the 10, paid 600, 700, 800 quid for a virtual season ticket. The ones at the top didn't play their part. And I, and I, and I got to the fact that the Celtic fans can't play for Celtic, but they live for Celtic. The ones at the top who, and, I, and I, the board, the management and the team, they didn't play for Celtic, and he certainly didn't love for Celtic this season. Unlike you, 
or I. You know, you you paid over your hard-earned money thinking you were about to witness a unique moment in Scottish football history. Well, you actually you did. You witnessed the collapse of a team who were supposedly so far in front that it was a foregone conclusion. And, it, and it's just collapsed round about you. And you say to yourself, and, and people still not reading the signs, William, why weren't... And if you and I and Stephen can see that, why can't those who purport to be the custodians of the club, how can they not see this? How can they not see an accident waiting to happen? How can they not avert disaster? Because there was plenty of times during that season where the team could have been salvaged, but they chose, they, they, they just chose inertia. They didn't do anything to address it. And now you think that the, you just get the impression that you don't actually trust them with this managerial search, do you? I know I don't. No. I don't trust them. Oh, right? no, not at all. You know, and, and you just say to yourself, well, again, I go back to it. See if they're not approaching all these people that we've, we've said, then they're no fit for purpose. They, they shouldn't be there because you're going to end up with a, a managerial appointment which causes absolute unrest and divide in, in, in Celtic's uh, history. And that's no way to begin into a season where automatic Champions League qualification is at stake for the title winners. You need to give the manager of the new regime every chance to win this title back at the first time of asking. But you can't see that happening, can you? No, I I think you've summed it up pretty well there, Anthony. Um, The way I look at it as well, as William said, Desmond always said that the 10th season uh, is going to be a period of transition. And as you rightly said, Anthony, the Celtic fans would have accepted that because they've reached the Holy Grail, so to speak. But... There should always be a plan B. There should always be a thing, if it goes wrong, to go back, to go to, to change, to change it quickly. And over the years, Celtic have just got complacent. They haven't acted upon things. They've been warned countless times not to fall asleep at the wheel. Now Rangers have overtook us. And at the moment, they're currently lives ahead of us because we're going to be losing all these star players. And William said, right to the bare bones. And how are we going to gather eight first-team stars to come in and replace them? And you don't know what budget we're going to have. And it's it's a whole lot of unknowns. This season, for me, has been a complete unknown. The the silence at Celtic Park from the boardrooms is, quite frankly, disgraceful. The supporters are paying over hard-earned cash to watch the stream that's five minutes behind all the time, or it's never working. Then you get the, the promise of added value. The commentary teams switch so many times, and... It's there, there's no consistency with that with the Celtic TV channel. Then you go to the Desmond statement. You're wanting to you're wanting to see something, but you just see a whole lot of words with no meaning behind them. And then the Roy Keane, and then Scott Brown. Even it's just a season of absolute disaster from start to finish, from the European qualifiers right up to the end of the season. And as I said on Twitter, it's a complete write off to me. I have no idea where Celtic Football Club are going and what direction they're going to take. There is just no communication. You look at the clubs like Aberdeen, they were able to come out in a Twitter video and tell their fans what's going to happen. <laughs> How hard is it for someone to do that at Celtic Park without it looking like it's been held at gunpoint? Like Scott Brown, remember the interview he done? It looked like someone was literally holding the gun to him saying, say these lines. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, I think that's that's the show pretty much wrapped up. We've covered everything. We've went into great detail and it's been a really good, a really fantastic debate from all three of us. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. And we're going to move on to this delight harder part of the show Alfie and William, the, the quiz. So, oh dear. The, so the, at the moment we are four 0 ahead of the Celtic City nine team. So I think, I think, and 
you have to get a bit of pride back there, Anthony. What do you think? I, I'm going to try, but hey, is this just shout out the answer? Is it? Is that one of the ones? Yeah. yeah so yeah. So it's it's five questions. First the free or whatever. I'm not really technical about it. And then the 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 prize is just nothing. It's just pride. <laughs> the, the prize is the fact but, to get to whitewashes. Yeah. <laughs> a green, well, we'll start. We'll, it's a green and white wash at the minute, isn't it? So, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, my my guys are doing fantastically well. So hopefully William can keep up the consistency on our side. But we'll fire on with the first question, nice and easy. Go on. <clears throat> what club did Celtic Saint Scott Brown from? Hebs. That was Anthony first. No problem. No <laughs> <laughs> what was the transfer? What was the transfer fee with Saint Scott Brown for? Four point four million. William, I heard him, so I have to give no it to William. Way. That was me, man. I heard he shouted, he shouted loud or something. Like, Let's go. Oh, no danger. What, what Italian midfielder scored the winner against Sector Donetsk at Celtic Park? Massimo Donati. Oh. I have to give that to Anthony. I think I heard him first. No way. I need a new mic. <laughs> How's your new Mick? <laughs> back to back to Scott Brown again. How many league titles has Scott Brown won? Ten. Ten. Oh, please, Gallup. Yes! Oh, Gallup. <laughs> four, four, one. Oh no, William, come on, man. Get up. Uh, a wee bit of uh, yes, pride restored there. Sorry, William. Right. <laughs> Are you are you cutting about you cutting about the living room walking about like Scott Brown when he got oh, challenged to I, Aberdeen? I, I put the sleeves up and that and I'm laughing and I can't <laughs> I'm, 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 well, in my well, hand guys, doing the Bruni. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thoroughly enjoyed this debate. I mean the quiz was fantastic at the end. There a bit of fun, a bit of lightheartedness, and thanks to William for coming back on. We're going to have you again in the future, obviously being on the show uh, consistently. So we value your input and. Anthony as well, thanks for coming on. Have you enjoyed your time? Ah, uh, pleasure, guys. That was brilliant. Really enjoyed that. Uh, lovely to talk to you, William, yeah. man. Even brilliant. Yeah, really, really good. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's no, there's, I always say these things, there's no right or wrong opinion. It's just opinion, isn't it? So people can feel yeah. free to agree or disagree, you know. But it's, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're good things to do. And I thoroughly enjoy them. And just before you go, Anthony, as well, tell us a wee bit about your new book. Oh, yeah. Well, as I say, I was, what, 21 years with the Daily Record and I met a lot of people and did a lot of things and I wasn't one for running around telling people that so it was always in my head to write something so I decided when I finished I would uh, try and put pen to paper and see if and it was that can I remember during the first lockdown people said there was that challenge the 10 players that affect the way you thought about football so I was challenged to do that and then you know people were putting up pictures but I was putting up stories behind the pictures and then people said said they liked them and I should collate a book. So that's what I did. I just decided, you know what? So there's 20 chapters. It's about 90 pages. You can read it in about three or four hours. And there's a chapter on Maradona. He's in the front cover. Charlie Nick, David Cooper, Johan Cruyff, uh, Kenny Dalglish, John Robertson. You know, and, and a lot of it's to do with my work as well. I haven't met some of them and spoken to them, interviewed them and stuff like that. But... Uh, Hugh McDonald, who writes for the Daily Mail, called it my love letter to football. So I think uh, <laughs> I uh, I don't think I could have expressed it any better. As I say, the, the title's called Going to Give a Kick of Your Ball, Mister, and it's a tale of family and football by a fan with a typewriter. 
and it's not just for Celtic supporters, it's for any football fan because yeah. you'll, you'll recognise yourself in all of this because it's just my personal heroes growing up and, you know, everybody has personal heroes and teams that they liked and not necessarily supported, but just players that they liked and moments in sport that they that they loved. And I've just, my heart and soul's in it, you know, so, and people have been just so kind about it. They, as I say, because football fans get it and they recognise themselves in it. So the, the outpouring of emotion and just people being, you know, saying that they've enjoyed it, it's just delighted me really, you know, and it's been, I, I, I said in the book that I was never egotistical enough to think that people would want to read my thoughts, let alone buy it, you know, so I, yeah. uh, I've i been overwhelmed by that and it's uh, it's been pretty humbling to say the least, but yeah, as I say, people can get it on Amazon, it's five ninety nine, and they can get it either on Kindle or paperback if they choose to buy it and I'm always very grateful if they choose to do that, but it's a it's a kind of career highlights package and a career yeah. and life highlights package involving football well, players and football games. What's not he like? Well, that, I mean, that, that, exactly. Congratulations on the book and anyone who's listening, get on that book straight away. I mean, five ninety nine is an absolute an absolute steal. Uh, also, the podcast. I'm pretty sure we'll be getting on to our tune as well. We'll have a wee read of that and get back to you as well. Have a wee chat about it, but yeah. Um, in the meantime, guys, as well, have we listened to the, the podcast we recently put up that Anthony Dunn was so kind to do? It's just the first of our um, series, mini-series. Uh, it's called the 21st Century Boys. It's just a compilation of best 11s from the 2000-2010 decade and the 2010 deny as well. So it's very interesting. There's lots of players that will bring back happy memories, maybe not so good memories, but it's, <laughs> it's just for everyone to give their opinion. But yeah, guys, thanks for coming on. And until next Tuesday, my Tuesday coming up, Stay safe and keep well. Hail, hail.